Play it, play it, play it, play it. We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. This is going to be a problem. <laughs> a big old problem. <laughs> it's like old times again, but 2.0, but harder. <laughs> Way harder. Well, hey guys, I'm Ryan. I'm Shane. And you're listening to Bruce Bruce <laughs> So bad. <laughs> So what we mean by all of that, that horrid mess, is that Shane's actually not with me in the studio today. Nope. Where are you at, Shane? I'm in my own little studio in Orlando, Florida. So it's like old times, East Coast, West Coast, baby. But I guess... East Coast, South Coast. Yeah, East Coast, West Coast. I mean, West Coast, South Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I don't know directions. Yeah, you're pretty much in the... the you're in the pits of hell of uh, the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> it's as hot as hell here. Is it really? What What's the temperature? It's hot. Well, it's like 90, but it's so humid in Florida. Ah, uh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, but I have this cute ring light on, and like, I love that. <laughs> Just a few disclaimers, you guys. Um, I mean, in post-production, you probably won't even tell, but we're on a delay just because we're doing this through video media and trying to have a conversation and banter like we normally do but it's like uh, uh, it's like a little bit delayed so like when we respond <laughs> we have facetime audio audio memos freaking studio memo like we got it all going on just so much and then also on top of that the sound quality is going to be separate because i'm on a studio mic shane is on an iphone earpiece so <laughs> <laughs> i probably am going to come in real loud i'll obviously have the better quality yeah, obviously <laughs> What has life been like for you with me not being there, Brian? God, this is like a real fruit roll-up, like old times. <laughs> it is. Um, <clears throat> well, let me just give you a little update, y'all. I totally dropped the ball. Shane was like, let's record on this day at this time. And then he calls me to record. And I'm literally still in bed. He like was my <laughs> alarm for the morning. So if I sound groggy, that's because I literally just woke up and I'm literally laying in a bed right now. Mm. Um. But aside from all of that, what's been going on is I have been busy like no other every fucking single day. If you've watched our Instagram live or IGTV videos on our, um, what is it called? Instagram. Our Instagram. Oh my God, my brain. <laughs> if you've watched our Instagram, you'll see that we've been doing a big refurbishment on one of the locations of where I used to work. Mm -hmm. I say used to because it's kind of closed, but... Our cheer gym, California Pride, um, decided to open a second location, which is amazing because we did so well the first time with the LA location that we can't expand. And we found a location in Garden Grove. And so we the building we have, um, the building we have completely was like a shithole. Shane, as you know, you could be mm -hmm. a witness to that. It was disgusting. <laughs> and we flipped it. It was disgusting. So we flipped the whole building, like covered all the graffiti tore down walls, all that stuff. And we just put in the final touches. And yesterday was like a soft opening, I guess you could say. Cool. So we flipped a whole building in literally two weeks. We love that. Yeah, it was cute. Um, I'm happy you guys like had a few extra days. Because when you were originally shooting for like five days after he got the keys, I was like, there's no way. No, this is the day, the 19th. Didn't he originally say like the 14th? No. 
You're a liar. No, the 19th was always... Because he sent out that freaking, like, Instagram, social media flyer of like da 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 is opening mm. and we're like you're so stupid <laughs> but you got it done <laughs> yeah in two weeks we flipped that bitch so i just keep adding things to my resume i'm like a con- uh, con- construction worker i'm a project manager <laughs> i was hiring new staff so i'm head of hr i was helping Karen with from like- hr Literally, <laughs> I was uh, hi, uh, helping with public relations, but it's kind of crazy because, like, being on the PR team, um, not crazy, but I've noticed there's a big difference in clientele, which is obvious for yeah. the two locations already. Like I was saying yesterday, we had like a soft opening, and so many parents came in, and the difference in parenting style from East LA to LA is, or Orange County, I mean, is just major. I think it's just like not necessarily location that's different, but like economic status. Totally. Because East LA is more of like a working class, like everyone in the family has to earn a living kind of thing. Yeah. And Orange County's like dance moms. The husbands. Yeah, dance moms. The husbands, the breadwinner in most cases. These are all generalizations. And like the rest of the family just has ample amounts of time to just kill to do things and so like in in la when we have like orientation or registration for the new season it happens so quickly they just get in you know sign their kid up and they're like okay let's go and like they you know learn about the program but it's not like let's talk about everything and then yesterday literally we had seven people come in throughout the course of four hours and tell me why they stayed almost all four hours because they were like, yeah, my name is this. And we came from this program and <laughs> like telling us their whole life story. I hope it and was, all I can like imagine is a total reenactment of bring it on. Literally, <laughs> literally. It's like East Compton Clovers to the Rancho Carning Toros. Yeah. Oh, no. I meant when they when the Toros were doing auditions. Oh no, it wasn't yeah, like that. It's just like a it's just like a panel of like all a you panel, bitches. Yeah. Like Chikara's yeah. on the panel, he's he's not even a coach. <laughs> he's like, I wanna see a round off backhand tuck. Yeah, right. But the thing is is that like everyone's nice, everyone's excited, but I would rather deal with the East LA parents than mm. I would the Orange County parents. But that's not to say one is better than the other. It's just a preference. But yeah. Yeah. Challenging things challenging things what what have you been up to since you've been gone for like two weeks a lot well i went to chicago first to see my family because i hadn't seen Mm -hmm. them since january um just before i moved back to long beach um so i was with them from like wednesday through mon tuesday um and then i came to orlando on tuesday it was weird because i flew for the first time in two months and like mm-hmm. that's been the weirdest experience of this entire like Wait, trip. Update me on update me on how it is on a plane because I have to go back in July. Well, planes are full. <laughs> really? Like, yes, my mind is blown. Uh, uh, here's the thing: my company is capping flights at sixty percent. So when I say full, I mean we're sitting at sixty percent on every flight, but that is full uh-huh. for us right now. Yeah. But just the fact that we even have like sixty percent of a plane plus people on standby, like myself, is crazy um because you know good and well like not all these people are flying out of necessity yeah um but service is still the same as like when you and i left where you just hand out a little goodie bag of necessities and there's no service to the rest of the flight um but i luckily got on all four flights that i needed to get on to get to both chicago and now orlando 
So that was a huge stress relief because flights look open online, but then you get there and it's like you have to do all this math to figure out what 60% is and how many seats they actually have open. It's like a whole thing. Um, but I got, an, I got on all of my flights and um, Chicago was great. I ate a lot, hung out, relaxed, saw family. Did you have portillos i had portillos yeah uh did you get a chocolate cake shake i didn't because those always mess up my my balls so much girl it's worth it let that shit run through <laughs> i almost got cold stone the other night too and then i was like <laughs> See, no, so you don't care. i got a vegan ice cream um oh. but yeah uh so that was a lot of fun i got to see my godson which makes me happy he's a terror and a half um <laughs> But love him. And now I'm in Orlando. And I've spent a lot of time drinking, eating, and relaxing. And that's been wonderful. Okay. Let's get into the gush, bitch. You saw Edward. Edward went down to Orlando. What happened? Yeah, Edward's in Orlando. um, Staying with his friend down here. And we had had a discussion a while back after he listened to our episode about exes. Um, he reached out and felt like there was um, a need to have communication about things that happened within our breakup that we never actually talked about um, because we didn't really talk after we broke up. Um, And I already knew at that point that I would be coming down to Orlando and I knew he was going to be down here at the same time. So I was like, I'd rather not do this over the phone. I'd rather meet in person. Um, So we did. And I'm not going to get into like all the detail of it, but I feel Bitch. like it, no, I feel like it was a very productive conversation. I feel like I got to ask questions that I've been wanting answers to, um, or felt like I needed answers to in order to get the closure that I didn't get within our breakup. Um, and it was a very like civilized adult conversation. And I'm like, so thankful for that. No, I don't want this PC bullshit. I want well, some Well, then you juice. shouldn't have brought it up because that's all you're getting. No, I want some juice. The fans have been no. on this journey with you about your love life. You have to give I them know. something. Uh, like what specifically? I don't know. Something that you guys talked about in more in detail than, yeah, it was civil and uh, it was great. Well, it was. I get that. But hello, this is like a audio diary. We need to hear some emotion up in this bitch. Well, I, I don't think that, like, emotion is necessary. There actually wasn't that much emotion last night, not in, like, a, not in, like, a boring way, but I, was, I wasn't even planning on crying when we talked about exes. Uh-huh. Like, we did talk about that. I was like, honestly, I, I didn't realize how much was still, um, I was still working through until I found myself, like, getting emotional talking about yeah. all of it. Um, but I feel like the conversation was a very... Um, ref- it was a great reflection of like where we've come uh-huh. since our breakup where uh-huh. like I first took our breakup as sort of like a dip in in mindset and I didn't really I, I was able to push on but obviously as I've talked about like there was more conversation brought to my attention from other people mm-hmm. that pulled me back into like the breakup breakup aspect of it rather than the healing aspect um and last night I just got to like talk about that with him um, instead of other people. And it felt good to um, allow him to have his side of the story, like from his mouth and not other people's. Okay. I'm going to so, ask, I'm going to ask some questions. Okay. Were we right? We were right about some of it. 
okay, was it about the things of what we thought were the reasons? Partially. Okay. So I'm not going to go into detail because I'm not trying to put anyone's business out there. And I, th- I could tell that you're treading that way so that you're not putting business out there in respect. But we yeah. still need we still need a little juice, okay? So, because off record, when when we're not recording, people always ask me, like, so what happened? And they're always like, Shane's so vague. It's like, why bring it up? And I'm like, okay, let me. Let well, me I wasn't bringing today up. You did. I know. So let's bring it up. So I'm just saying that fault cannot be put on me. So if y'all are wondering what this coded messaging is, we talked about what we thought happened during the relationship. So you can go back and listen to the episode. Or if you're a true (laughs) fan, you could follow along. And so we were right a little bit then. A little bit. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So how do you feel though? I feel really good. It was funny because I got, I was driving last night and a part of me wanted to like cry again, but not out of like, not out of sadness. It was almost this release of like, um, pressure or, or like emotion. I don't know. Um, and when I got home, uh, one of my friends was like, it's almost like a euphoric moment, those conversations sometimes. And I was like, that's the perfect word for it. It was this very euphoric, like, this stress has been, or this weight has been lifted, and I just feel like this was the piece of my last relationship that I've been holding on to that I needed to get out in order to, like, truly continue moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt just, like, so good, and I'm, yeah, I'm really happy that I had that moment. Well, good for you, Shane. Here Thanks. I here I am still six years later, single as ever, <laughs> and then you're in a relationship, traveling across the country to see an ex relationship. I'm glad you're just you know <laughs> euphorically living your life, just all these emotions. Like yay. <laughs> Um, so with speaking on all of that, that happened with Edward, um, and speaking on past conversations that we've had on our recent episodes, I thought today would be a really good day to talk about racism within the gay community. Um, we've touched on this before, but I think that during the BLM movement that's happening all around the world right now and in pride month, uh, it'd be, I think a smart decision to blend the two topics into one and have a discussion on it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I obviously need you to do that because I can only speak from a white experience and that is vastly different from a person of color. Um, Well, I will say this before we get into it. Okay. I think that what I, you know, like visually what we're speaking, we we take racism as like a grand big topic. And then now we're going to filter it through the lens of us being gay individuals. Yes. Um, I, before we even start, I almost feel like I should bring this up, and I don't know why, maybe just because my mind goes to it, but I feel like racism exists in every little microcosm of social settings. Because, like, if you really think about it, um, I mean, we don't, I'm not going to get into it with the gay stuff yet, because I know we're going to get into it, but, like, yeah. even, like, war within race within each community, too. Like, uh, like, if you think of, like, black people and, like, colorism, or uh-huh. even Asians with colorism, you know, where it's, like lighter is better yes like lighter skin lighter features and like even in asian cultures it's like that where it's like lighter features are better you're more pretty and i feel like it's just said it it is a testament to say that 
because we take on that idea of like, you know, white is right, even if we're trying not to. Mm-hmm. And that's what's weird, you know. But I also think it might play into like, you know, dark colors are evil and lighter colors are good and heavenly. But oh, I also think that narrative, you know, that narrative I feel like has yeah. been written be from a white narrative because of like religion and well, stuff like that. And I was going to bring up the fact that I feel like <clears throat> in roles where we see people of color, they are always um, what can be called whitewashed versions people uh people of color where they're like lighter skinned and it's a little mm-hmm. it's like it's like having obama as a president right he mm-hmm. was like a light enough black man to be deemed like oh well he we're comfortable with him being president right. but like if he right. was a darker skinned black man people may not have had that same comfort um so right. i definitely feel like we see that played out a lot in mainstream media and movies and, and television shows and all that well, yeah, because it's like a digestible way of taking in that exotic package, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm just going to be blunt and start this conversation with, have you experienced racism in the gay community as oh, a 100%. person of Okay. 100%. Um, Where? Well, I think the problem is, is that, like, y- Gay people have this tendency, and I don't know why, to say race is a preference, which is not, Mm -hmm. okay? Like, especially in the dating world. And to me, I I don't know. There's just so many things. That's why I'm struggling. But And also because I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I've experienced it just realistically in the dating world. And also, like, going out. We've spoken about this. But, like, going out to the club or whatever, I just feel like... Anybody other than the white, physically fit gay man is going to be um, secondary. Mm. Yeah. Um, I will say for the for the benefit of this episode, it obviously is deemed a preference within the gay community. But I actually had a discussion about this while I was home in, in Chicago with my cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very much also deemed a preference in the straight community. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was just a conversation that I had never really had before with a straight person, but um, we actually talked about it at length, and I was able to use gay examples, um, and beyond gay examples, but I was use- I was able to use discussions that I've had about the gay community in a-, a conversation with straight people to sort of make sense of why that argument doesn't stand. Can you explain? Yeah, I, I-, I had a-, um, a cousin who tried telling me that, like, or or did tell me that like her preference was white men like that's who she like saw herself with and and I was she was like but that doesn't take away from the fact that I also see you know people of color as attractive and I was like mm-hmm. but then why wouldn't you be able to expand on that relationship and I I brought up the point that in her life it's been normalized that white people go with white people for lack of better terms like mm-hmm. white people are just more generally acceptable and accepted within you know mainstream culture and i think that if she had um if she had more experience within communities where like um maybe interracial relationships were more prominent or if she had just been exposed to more culture um outside of her own that it Mm -hmm. i think it would be more normalized in her mind to just date a person based on the person and not the physical attributes that define that person 
For sure, because if you think of like beauty standards across cultures, they're completely different from culture to culture. Yes. Which is a learned social agreement that this is what we're going to deem as beautiful. You know, you're not born thinking, oh, that's beautiful. If you think of any makeup trend throughout the ages, right? Like even when we were in high school, the little spermy eyebrows were in for girls. Oh my God, disgusting. Oh, that's so sexy. Yeah. And then now... Like full figured, full figured, <laughs> full thick, <laughs> full figured, curvy eyebrows. Come on, though. thick brows. <laughs> I know, but but honestly, like thick yeah. boy brows are in, and that's yeah. what's deemed as like attractive, you know. Totally. So so that's like like that that's the thing. It's like what you're indated with as far as the beauty standard is what you're going to be attracted to. But mm-hmm. I don't think that people really do that internal um, scope and like look at oh, is this something that's been learned or something that I actually feel? And I I think 100 percent of the time it's it's learned because yes. no one comes out of the womb like obviously I think there's things that humans as humans find more beautiful right mm-hmm. like a flower or whatever color vibrancy you know life symmetry we all find those things naturally beautiful I think mm-hmm. which is ingrained in our DNA but there's also things that we can like learn to find beautiful just like eyebrows yeah and not not to say learn but exposed to the beauty i guess and like challenged for what we find beautiful just like weight you know like in the 90s kate moss that stick figure weight body is what we was like what we found beautiful or the standard of like let's do it and then now you cut to now in the kim kardashian like curvy body that Mm -hmm. i say kim kardashian because that is a reference everyone knows but i feel like the black body is mm-hmm. really what's more attractive, like yeah. curvy, blah, blah, blah. But because it's not on a, like, it's black features, but because it's on a black person, it's not attractive. Mm-hmm. And that goes to say that you're saying that black people aren't attractive rather than it being like that feature isn't attractive or whatever the case is. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like you're, you're whitewashing beauty, like well, you said earlier. And the interesting thing is, like, to further on the conversation that I had with one of my cousins we agreed on most everything up to that point in the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about race because it's so prominent right now. It's yeah. it's almost like us talking about race right now where every week we're sort of like, it seems ignorant of us to not talk about it because yeah. it's just a discussion being had everywhere you go. And we're all very like, uh, um, because I feel like, and I hate to say generationally, but because we're a younger generation, I feel like we're more comfortable talking about politics that we might not agree on a little mm-hmm. more openly than like if I had a conversation with like my mom, which I had many of while I was at home. Um, yeah. And so like in having that conversation at the extent to which we did, it was like, yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. Yes, we're on the same page. And then she made the comment about like having a preference. And I was like, like tires came to a screech and I was like, wait, what? Like how have we agreed on so much? And now we like disagree here. And yeah, all that it did was held a mirror up to me and was like, you have same, you have the same tendencies, maybe in other ways, but like as white people, we can very much be on the right side for part of the conversation and then very much be on the wrong side for other parts. Right. right? Like my cousin, can have conversations about race with her sons where she um, at a young age can help them to recognize that like as white boys, they um, they're benefiting from the way that our society works. Um, And I think that that's great. And I love that she's having those conversations because she is, and she's speaking openly about it with her family members who don't agree in every aspect that we agree. 
Um, but then there is that conversation where I'm like, wait, how did we just get to a disagreement if we've been on the same page the whole way? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I, I have that, that come to moment when I have conversations with black friends who are calling out the shortcomings of white people. And I'm like, oh shit, I fall into that. Like, or I have fallen into that even recently, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's these, what you were saying, these learned um, habits and mindsets and mentalities that we have to conscientiously break day in Mm -hmm. and day out. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's only through having these conversations that we even realize we need to break them. Well, I think that's kind of like the gist of it is that you don't realize what you learned until you've learned it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. it's like the whole thing of like allegory of the cave. And I always bring this up because I feel like it's such a powerful message in every sense of the way, uh-huh. especially when I talk about my personal journey of expansion, like I need to expand. And in order to, for things to change, you have to be challenged to change. And yeah. when you keep looking at the world through the filter of what you've learned, you're, you're, you're bringing forward that self of everything previously right so if if racism was taught and embedded within your view or your lens which it has in a lot of american society it's hard to figure out why something is different Mm -hmm. when you're looking at it a lens that doesn't see it you know and i think that's that's the thing with the the preference is that like for years someone could say that a preference of race is not racist or not a problem because their lens it's never been a problem because Mm -hmm. the people who say that probably reaffirm that same message of being like oh my god i agree i can't i don't prefer this color or this da 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 but it's like you have to be like okay well why is this lens something that is filtering my my reality and i i just think that like obviously you've come to like have that discussion within yourself but i think that's also because you surround yourself with people who don't come from the same lens right but I mean, with that said, at least I can understand why your cousin might say that, whether I agree or disagree. I just hope that whoever I, I said cousin was it your cousin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I just hope that whoever does do that, that when you hear this, it triggers something to be like, oh, well, let me question it. Whether you find an answer that agrees with us or not, at least you're questioning it. You know? Yeah. Well, and I I made a statement. Um... And it was sort of to put us on the same playing field again, like her and I in this disagreement, because I think one of the issues is we start to disagree and there sort of is this like defense wall that's put up when we Mm -hmm. disagree with somebody. And at that point, we're not listening anymore. We're only speaking over the wall um, and we're not really allowing knowledge to come through it. And one of the things that I brought up was like how the biggest difference and the reason that I brought up generations earlier is the biggest difference that I feel like lies between say this kind of conversation with my mom and this kind of conversation with my cousin is that my cousin and I can take this this information and this education of internalized racism and be willing to change we are not we may initially feel defensive because I think that's Mm -hmm. natural but we can also take um, past knowledges and experiences that we've had to influence a shift in how we think where I think the difference lies with an older generation is they at the end of the day feel like, and this is a generalization I understand, but from a lot of conversations I've had, older generations feel that if they're not dragging somebody of color into the street and beating them, they're not racist. They don't, 
understand the um the the destruction the underlying or the, the underlying, underlying yeah um, undertones of race that yes. have been like put in the system yeah and that's where i think the conversation gets so difficult is i can have this conversation with my cousin and we can really get to like the bottom of the disagreement with my mom the the disagreement is is more so like um uh, it's like i'm just trying to change everything about her and and she suddenly becomes the martyr in the conversation mm-hmm. and i'm like no 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 <laughs> we can't go there because then we'll never get to a place of understanding or agreement um and all that i can hope is that i have enough conversations to where something starts sinking in at least enough to get her to second guess things before she says it or thinks it um mm-hmm. but i think that's the biggest difference is just the willingness to change and not well, feel think, like we're good the way that we are. I feel like part of that too is that like, how old is your mom? Uh, she's 56. So that's 56 years of reinforced beliefs. Yes. When it comes to her life experience. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but also like 56 years of change from when, like 56 years ago of race is different than 56 years now of race, yeah. you know? And so it's hard because, like I was saying earlier with the whole lens uh, metaphor, is that her lens was more rooted in that idea. And it's almost like, and not to call your mom a dog when I say this, but it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks only because they get accustomed to a life that they probably value or live, you know, Mm -hmm. enjoy. And and that's the thing. It's like if you you like the way things are, you you stop questioning it. Yeah. And... Not to say your mom is this way or not, but I'm just generalizing. And and I think that's part of the reason why that generation, in a very general sense, yeah. is that way. Is because I think oh, oh, 56 years of living it, you just get accustomed to this is how it is. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard to like question that or change it. Pretty much just like a preference, you know? Right. Well, and to, to bring this back into like specifically within the gay community, um, because the two conversations that I'm referencing a lot right now are with straight women but within the gay community i remember meeting a gay couple last year um Mm -hmm. and i remember just having these like great talks about pride because it was world pride in new york last year so we talked about sort of like the history of that within like new york city and what it was like being a gay man back you know decades ago um versus now and i'm thinking like oh my god we're having such great conversation and then there would be these little subtle comments where i would be like did he just say that? Where it would be about race. Yeah. And can we, can we get an example? Um, I can't think of specifically like what they would say, but I just remember. So say it was like an area of the city that would be mm-hmm. like more predominantly black. And there would be an insinuation that that was like a dangerous ghetto part of the city. Right. And I would be like, wait, what? Like, how are we suddenly here in this conversation? Because I'm thinking yeah. it's like so progressive and I'm like, yes, I love this. Like generationally from gay, through gay men, we're like having these conversations about our history and learning about it. And then I'm very abruptly reminded that generationally speaking, racism is still very systemic with, even within the gay community, right? Because this is right. like a straight, uh, sorry, a gay white couple that I'm talking to. Got it. Um, And then I think of places like Fire Island, um, which is where I met them. And I'm thinking of Fire Island's history and it is very whitewashed. Um, So it, 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 
it's just important to have these conversations and to not assume that every marginalized community is like on the same page. Um, So in that, um, I wanted to know like what goes through your mind the moment that you recognize racism within a gay situation that you're in. It's hard to say because like, that's a lot to unpack, you know, it's like at a certain point, I think when I realize it now at a 31 year old man, uh-huh. I beg to say that there's like natural protecting uh, mindsets in my head where I don't shed a lot of emotional baggage towards it because uh-huh. I know it exists. So it's just one of those things that it's like agreed upon thing in my head of being like, Oh yeah, that is what it is. And I was just like, whatever. Right. But I think when I first started experiencing these things, right? Like for instance, when I first downloaded grinder when I was younger and it would say like no blacks, no femmes, no fats, no Asians. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, what? And automatically I'm like black and Asian, you know? And I'm like, how can you say you don't like me when you don't even know me and little things like that it would like really bother bother me and i think when i was younger and i even said this on the podcast like i didn't like going out because like Mm -hmm. i felt like i was not attractive i didn't feel like i was part of the in crowd and it's very that west hollywood feel where it's like i'm better than you and i don't think it's like that that i think that me feeling that way is obviously my personal journey, mm. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't I don't think anyone necessarily been outwardly mean to me, but I think those little things like that that I've experienced at a younger age, being gay and black and Asian, yeah, I, I feel like that sits with me. But now, obviously, it doesn't bother me as much because I'm like, if you are still putting that kind of rhetoric out, you're, you're trash. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? I'm like, you're a trash-ass bag. Right. You're a trash you, bag, yeah. Does that, or, I mean, it sounds like it hasn't as much now, but... Did that at one point affect your self-identity and self-esteem and confidence in feeling other than within your own community? Uh, I think partially, but also like for me, I I feel like I double down on being like, I don't give a fuck, Mm. you know, because I feel like for my, my, my idea of what I protect as far as in my internal mental health is I kind of take what is currently and just let it be, you know, like things I can't change, I try not to worry about. And right. so if I can't change being black, if I can't change being Asian, it's just like, okay, I need to put myself in situations that are accepted like that. And if I do have an opportunity to challenge someone as to why they feel a certain way about something that I'm bringing that I can't change, I'm like, well, why do you feel that way? You know what I mean? And right. that goes beyond race. Like when people would say like, like even like losing your hair, right? Mm. Like I cut my hair bald. Like that was another insecurity of mine where I was like, oh my God, like am I attractive because I'm going to be bald? But I'm like, I can't change that. So I have to learn to get over it. Right. So that's kind of my quick, quick <laughs> explanation of how I get over it. But yes, it really does. It has. And at I think that's, day, that, yeah. yeah, at the end of the day, I think it has. And for me not to shed light on that would not give, um, you know, uh, strength or acknowledgement of strength that I have to like kind of get over it. But yeah, it, it does suck a lot of the time and it's unfortunate. Have you ever recognized internalized racism within yourself against yes. other men of color? Yes. In what yes. ways? Oh my God. There's so many ways. And it's actually really sad to say this, but it's, it's going to be very true that like I, at a certain point didn't associate with the kind that I am like, mm. I think part, see, this is where I struggle because I, 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 I want to give myself the pass of being like, yeah, I didn't really do it because I don't come from that experience. But then also I didn't, maybe I didn't like being black. So I didn't hang around black people. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But with that said, I think it goes hand in hand is because my identity and my reality, because my dad gets it too. Me and him both speak from a place of like white education. Right. And I don't use that term, but I feel like that's what's been thrown onto us that we speak like with a white education background. So right. it feels very whitewashed. And people always say like, you're not black. And so I get pushed out of that community and I don't, I, to me, I'm like, okay, well, why do I want to be around it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like I would if it was a gay community where they're like, I don't like blacks and Asians. I wouldn't go there to fight for their adoration. Right. So it's a little bit of both. But I think personally, yeah, like I, I feel like I probably do have a little bit of internalized racism hmm. because I, I, I don't know. Because I am I was going to say like I don't I, – I feel like I'm a – People always say I'm like a white person the way I identify. Not this doesn't happen as often anymore because I yeah. feel like I'm just Brian at this point. Right. And I don't like I, I I'm very aware of my black identity and I think people understand that I'm black. So it's not like people are like, oh my God. But I always get because I don't look black or Asian or anything, I fall in this weird category of like, what are you? Mm. That people don't put me into a category until like when I speak on Black Lives Matter, people kind of sometimes question like, why are you speaking? When I'm uh. like Bitch, I'm black. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think, I think with that, like, because I can fall into the Asian category or I can fall into the uh, black category, I don't belong in either. But regardless, like, yeah, I I think that there was a little bit of internalized racism because like, even with the food I ate, like, for instance, if my mom would pack me a lunch, I wouldn't bring Korean food, like kimchi Mm -hmm. and stuff, because I wouldn't want people to be like, ew, what is that? That stinks. Da, 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 da. And you what you want is like the peanut butter and jelly sandwich because you can like assimilate mm-hmm. you know but I don't think that I would consider that racism as a child because as a as a kid you just want friends you just but want to realistic yeah but then now as an adult like yeah that could have been internalized racism because right. I'm push pushing out my race for literally just being present you well know? but I even think of that like as internalized homophobia within myself where there was a point in time where I was embarrassed to be seen with somebody who was overly feminine in 100%. the way that they would act as a gay man. And I'm like, 100%. okay, well you can be gay, but not that gay. Like that's yes. too gay. So that's why I bring up the point of like internalized racism is because I feel like regardless of us falling into a subgroup, we still internalize some of those outwardly or expressed emotions and thoughts um, within ourselves. And it almost forces us to like turn upon like, for lack of better words, our own kind. Um, yeah. And I think that that's, like, important to see as well um, within this conversation. Um, Do you notice a difference between your experience as a gay man of color and your white friend's experience as gay men? Um, Well, yeah. Like, there's 101 ways it's different. But, like, what do you mean by that? Well, like, so say when you and I go out together, do Mm -hmm. you feel... um, that our our two viewpoints of the same outing are are really different. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Ooh, oh, racism I'm... is boring to you. Racism is so boring. <laughs> I'm so over it. <laughs> yeah, I I think it vastly differs. Um, because I don't think, like for instance, when we go out, it's like uh gay asian nights on friday mm. at rage you know what i mean mm. or like what do they call black nights i think this is like not like what blackout? they call it anymore blackout or jungle night or whatever it's called <gasps> oh my god no well because that like, what jungle it was called? fever i guess I oh so. yeah i guess so i haven't heard that in so long 
but I think like obviously there's all that racial right, right. underlying tone to that. But but yeah, I, I feel like going out, we definitely do have two separate experiences. I mean, I can't think of an, a situation right now, but maybe... No, it, doesn't ha- it didn't have to be specific. I was just wondering, like, generally speaking, because there's so many things that I feel like I don't have to think about when I go out that you probably do. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I could be making excuses for myself as if it's my race, but then really it could be, like, the vibe I'm giving off. But I feel like when we're in a group setting and I we're talking like with other guys. I just feel like I'm not on anyone's radar. Mm. Um, And again, like that could be an internal message I'm sending myself. And or then, it could and, not be. I know, but I'm just saying like, at, as far as the other argument, right. Where it's yeah. like, well, if you feel like no one's talking to you and then you shut off and then you seem like you don't want to talk to anyone because of that, like that, that energy exchange happens non-verbally and someone could argue that I'm giving off of, I don't like, don't come around me. Yeah. But from my experience, I don't feel like I'm that way, nor do I feel like I give off that energy. Right. And so I'm just bringing that up as like a devil's advocate. But yes, in my own experience, I feel like I blend in the background, which I'm not a blend in the background kind of personality, (laughs) but that (laughs) happens to me on, uh, unwantedly or un- unintentionally because I just feel like guys are like, I'm going out because I want to meet a guy and mm. because you're not the kind of guys I want to meet because you're black and Asian or whatever. You're not like, do you know what I'm saying with yeah, that? Yeah, it's like when you're in a bar, you turn on, okay, who's the hottest person? And if I don't fall under that category, I'm not seen. And I right. think that really does play into like my, ex- my experience mm-hmm. when someone like you or Kyle or Brendan or whatever, like when we would be hanging out, I always see like you guys getting approached or mm. like I'll be walking behind you guys as we're going from one side to the next of the club. And I just see like, not always, but I just see like them always like flirting as I'm, like, uh, walking behind you guys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. trying to catch eyes and stuff like that. But then I don't feel like I ever get that experience. Right. Um, on the opposite end of that spectrum, do you feel like you've ever been fetishized? Um, Because I know that's also an issue where people are like, I appreciate that you like black skin, but there's a difference between, like, appreciating people of color and respecting and then fetishizing it where it's like i want to have sex with you for x reason but i would never bring you home to my family i don't feel like i get fetishized in that sense okay um like with the examples you give but i feel like i have gotten fetishized a lot because people are like well since you're black and asian like how big is your dick Mm. they're like are you the black side or the asian side you know um and i actually get that a lot like on Grinder, uh, we talk like on apps or, or like have guys day. asked you in person? Yeah, every oh all the time. Yeah, um, they'll always be like, "Are you black or Asian?" And I'm like both, and they're like, "No, like you know what I mean." Oh like, my are god! You black? Yeah, and I'm like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's weird because when I first understood that there's a difference between, um appreciating melanated skin and fetishizing it because I didn't understand that fetishizing was a thing. Not that I didn't know what a fetish was, but do you know what I mean? Like amongst races, I guess I didn't realize that could be a situation. Um, I started questioning whether or not I was fetishizing 
men of color in my life mm. or men of color who I've dated or slept with. Well, um, I don't think you do because if you look at your dating history, it's not like you went from white to color and then stayed color forever, you know? Right. It's like you date whoever you find attractive, whatever color that is. But I think right. you like a certain vibe but i don't think that's because of the color as much as what the color brings behind that vibe Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean i agree but i had to make sure for myself that i wasn't doing that totally because you know like if if you were to say well shane likes mexican boys i think that's true but i also don't think that it's like you're only doing it because of their skin tone and like that i feel like you enjoy the life experience of ethnic people because you don't have to like it's almost like you want to expand your your whiteness to understand mm-hmm. other cultures. So you you like that idea. Uh, but I see why you would have that conversation yeah. internally. Well, and then it, it brought up the bigger conversation within that that dialogue I had with my cousin where I, I almost tripped myself up for a second because I can say that I prefer men with darker features. But why is that okay? And not preferring men with lighter features. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, but I feel like that. that. I feel like that sense alone is like what you're trying to argue. What do you mean? Like, because you say you don't like it, it's bad. But because you say you like it, it's acceptable because you're almost like saying good qualities. But that's like saying like, oh, all Asians are good at math when people Mm -hmm. are like, that's problematic. And they're like, well, why? It's, it's a positive thing. It's like, whether it's positive or negative, it doesn't matter. It's still problematic. So I I beg to say the same kind of conversation with saying like, oh, I prefer light, darker features Mm. because like, I don't, again, that's exactly going back to everything we said at the start of this conversation is like race is not a preference. Right. But I think, it's hard because, you know, like, how do you talk about it when you, like I said, the lens that you have is that's okay yeah. to say that. You know what I mean? Um, so you just need to, like, figure out the words to express what we're trying to say. But I do feel like that could be a little bit problematic, even though it's positive. Well, and the other thing that, well, yes, I agree with that, um, which is why I got so tripped up. But when I think about why I say that, it's because I've seen photos of, and I think that this falls more specifically within the gay community because it's the same sex, but I've seen photos of couples who almost look like they could be related and it really fucking weirds me out. And I'm not saying that you like shouldn't be with somebody because that could potentially be like a, a, like an appearance. But I think that the reason that I like haven't stood next to a white guy and I, there's there's something about it that like kind of twists in my mind and and I don't know what that is, but I don't know. Do you have thoughts on that? Well, I know what you mean. It's like um, when you see a white couple, a lot of times they look like brothers, mm-hmm. <laughs> like as if they're like cloning yeah. themselves, like doppelgangers. Like, yeah, it's like a memeable thing in the gay yeah. community where it's like, yeah, why are you let dating yourself? Yeah, but I I. I... <laughs> It's hard to exactly like we both are struggling with the words to express mm-hmm. what we're trying to say because I get what you're trying to go for, yeah. but I also understand why that's problematic. Totally. Um, I don't. I see. I don't. Okay, let's define what a preference is then. Okay. Like, what would you say is a preference that isn't racially driven and acceptable? Because to me, I don't feel like physical attributes are a preference, but mm-hmm. I could say like for me. I like angular features on a person more than round. 
So if someone were to be labeled handsome, I think I would go for more than someone to be labeled cute. Because I mm. feel like I would get the cute label because my features are more round than I would. I mean, I, could, I guess I could, someone could say handsome, but you know, like angular no, features. But that that's not to say like, because angular features can like exist in all races, right. any person. Right. So that's where I feel like that preference isn't driven on a person as much as it is just a quality. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, or preference in like, I want someone who's open-minded or who's willing mm-hmm. to learn or who wants to be active. Like, I feel like those are fine preferences to have. But to I say agree. like, because then you say like, well, you do prefer that. But to say that if someone wasn't active, would you not like them? No, because mm-hmm. there could be other qualities that you like. I know. So I get why we struggle with saying like, I like darker features because that's not to say that's all you'll date, but right. that's what you like. But yeah, like I, I, I guess the opposite of it is that you're saying things you prefer in the sense that that's not your end all be all, but it can open your horizons. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's what you're looking for. But I guess in the other sense, it's like, I don't like this because like, I guess you saying like, I don't like, not you, but the person saying, I don't like black people shuts off all black people to Mm. where you haven't experienced every single black person to say you don't like them. You're, you're dehumanizing somebody by giving a physical preference as like what you deem acceptable in terms of dating somebody. I think. I agree. Like, but I would dehumanize the... you if I was like, well, my preference is is against, not against, but like I prefer white men over black men. What I feel like that does is says all black men are not worthy of dating me. Right. Because there are a thousand beautiful, um, not qualified, uh, like black, black men who are dateable to me mm-hmm. to the one white guy who may be dateable to me. But mm-hmm. I'm already xing out all thousand of those men simply because they're a different color, like their skin mm-hmm. is a different color, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's why I say it, it dehumanizes them because I'm basically saying I would rather take the odds of one to a thousand in searching for that one right white guy, as opposed to just looking for the one right human, knowing right. that I'm expanding the possibilities of finding that if I'm not limiting the 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 odds by skin preference, right. But I guess what we're struggling is how do you express that in the same vernacular of someone arguing that that could be racist? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, what you say is, is it makes sense in my head, but then also I could be looking through the same lens. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know well, I mean? I mean, that's why I wanted to have this conversation, though, because I at the end of the day, like we can have a lot of similarities, but there's also differences in the way that we're experiencing all of this. Right. right. Like. I'm still benefiting as a white guy every day within the gay community and beyond. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'm benefiting in ways that I still have yet to come to understand, which is mm-hmm. why um, it, there was a podcast I listened to recently, Shut Up Evan, where um, Evan, the host, was talking to a person of color and said, I think it's really interesting that every person of color that I've had as a guest on this podcast, I have had a racial conversation with but not one white person have i had a racial conversation mm-hmm. with and mm-hmm. that's so important the reason i'm having it with you just for the a blanket statement of this podcast purpose um is because we're co-hosts on this and i feel like this is how we right. bounce back back and forth um but i have noticed in my day-to-day life that i've wanted to have especially right now those conversations with people of color but i mm-hmm. should more importantly be having them with white people because this is a white person's issue. 
And that's the, that I think that's the problem is why people of color like me say, don't talk to us for answers uh-huh. because like exactly like that host said is that every person of color he's had on a podcast, they talk about race. We always talk about race and our race is always apparent to us every day of our lives. Yes. And so at a certain point we're done talking about it because you guys have the privilege of not having to even blink an eye and think about your own identity Mm -hmm. within that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you were to talk to someone in any sense, you don't talk about the white experience because Mm -hmm. that's just life to you. Right. But for us, it's like we have to explain who we are, why we do the things we do, you know, and that's where people feel exhausted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of like um, dig into like the positive that you've experienced as a person of color, if any. But mm-hmm. the question that I wrote was, um, where or when um, has been your best experience as a gay man of color? Because I feel like we can talk about a thousand times in places that you've experienced like harsher treatment or yeah. like other than treatment. But I wonder if there's any place where you've ever found it as a as a, a benefit to you. In a general sense, I can't think of like a certain situation where I'm like, ooh, I love being a black gay man mm. or I love being an Asian gay man. That's not to say oh, I've never had me. that experience. Yeah. But I, I can't think of a one one all experience where I'm like, oh my God. But I also feel like just like being a gay person in a straight world, there's not a there's not one experience where you're like, oh, that was so good to be a gay person. But I think by being a gay person, by being a black person, by being an Asian person, by being able to express my feminine side, and some might consider me feminine, I feel like through all of those lenses and all of those life experiences, as cheesy as it sounds, it's really made me become the person that I am. And mm. that's what I praise, not because I'm like, yeah, you know, my differences, which is true. But I also feel like I love having those lenses because then I feel like I know how to connect Mm-hmm. and like mold and shape and drift in between any lane I need to to understand yeah. other people's struggle as well as having open conversations about race or mm-hmm. sexuality or things like that and create an understanding that I feel like I could be that that missing link of like why someone isn't understanding to why they can't understand. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I have all these little ways of being a, a different identity to where I can like – um have similarities with one person that I probably wouldn't with another and vice versa, you know, and I can be that mouthpiece. So I feel like with that said, I think that's the beauty of being me, black, Asian and gay is that my life experiences have taught me lessons of compassion, have taught me lessons of understanding, have taught me lessons of forgiveness. And it's almost like it, I I really resonate with the Buddhist mentality um, because I feel like I've struggled with it for years where before, and I think even on this podcast we talked about, where I would like forcefully be like, no, you're wrong. And mm-hmm. like try to call people out and be this martyr of like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. When I think that someone could say all my experiences with all those different lenses are not is not how reality is and they could tell me how I'm wrong. But it's not about right or wrong as much as experienced and not experienced and Mm -hmm. i feel like with all these different lenses i come from a place of being like well this is how i've experienced it this is what i learned from this situation you probably haven't gone through that situation but when you do i hope you learn the same gift that life has taught me does Mm -hmm. that make sense yeah it does and i think that that's the beauty of being able to be these different identities is that 
life keeps giving me examples of how I'm different. But because I'm gifted with these examples, I can understand life at a more rapid pace and Mm -hmm. understand my surroundings in a full deep sense because I feel like, and I always say, a lived experience is a really good understood experience. And it's one thing to talk about, oh, it should be like, could be like, but if you're actually in it, it's different, you know? Right. Like, Like the medical field, for instance, like this is how a doctor should be and how you go from schooling to actual practicum is completely different. And I feel like my life is practicum Mm. where I've actually lived these experiences and that learning is way better than just reading a book about race. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so with that said, I think that's why I keep it general where that's the positive being black and ethnic and gay and Asian and all that because I can't experience life in a way that like other people can't. Right. And that's what makes me special. And that's why it's like silly to say, you know, oh my God, it's so great because I'm me. But like it is. Yeah. You know, but then again, it's like, how can I say anything is different because I have never experienced someone else's life. But because I know that I'm different and my life isn't common, I can understand someone else's journey a little bit quicker. Yeah. Tell me, how do you feel why you love being a white gay man? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) I like open a book. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) At four years old, when I was a chubby little fat kid with (laughs) titties. But like, I guess I I feel like I'm being interviewed with being gay and black and Asian. But like, what what do you feel like when it comes to like your identity and how you, you hope for change? Um, well, listening to you talk about the, uh, the ways in which you like to be somebody who can play on all of these different facets of life through different mm-hmm. lenses. Um, I thought about times where I feel like it was almost empowering to be the only or one of the few gay people in the room. Like I've actually really enjoyed that because it almost leads you to this like, unspoken understanding of somebody else that you wouldn't have otherwise had Uh um but with that being said that doesn't mean that there's like equality amongst all gay people just because we can like relate in different situations Right. right um i think that there just needs to be a continuous conversation past this moment Mm-hmm. And I say that because I feel like we're already starting to see a shift, even in just like day-to-day social media, where for almost like two weeks after George, George Floyd's death, there was nothing but BLM posts. And you would randomly get like pride posts because it's also pride month, but almost like an intersection of the two. And now we're seeing like influencers and even our friends like go back to their daily posts of like whatever they're doing in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. That's like always bound to happen. But I, I guess like what I You've... want to see happen is I need the conversation to continue like what we're having now. Right. Um, and I mean that amongst all races, it, uh, more so the white, the white race, um, because this is our issue when talking about racism. But um, I also need to make sure that I'm checking in on my friends of color more often. It can't mm-hmm. just be like, oh, well, remember that one time in 2020 when we all marched for you? Like, it has to go beyond that. It can't just be like, oh, yeah, we all marched together. Because there's still, obviously, just in terms of, like, what I see on social media that I disagree with, so much more conversation to be had. Right. 
Yeah. I, I will say that the difference now and before is that like there was like a denial of any of this existing, but I feel like now everyone, for the most part, it seems like are, is on a mutual understanding that we all need to learn. Right. And whether that conversation is as prevalent and as um, recurrent as it has been in the past two weeks or later, I don't feel like ch- race is going to change within a week or two weeks no. by posting <clears throat> those things. But I think that people do have this like new profound wherewithal of like, okay, yeah, these are things that matter to me now. Mm-hmm. And like I was complacent or I didn't do enough and now I can. And I feel like when issues like this are brought up, it might not be everyday conversation, but at least when it is a conversation, people are more willing to have the conversation than before when it was like, we can't talk about that. Right. And I think that's at least the beauty. And I get your fear in the sense that, like, you probably fear that this was just a moment, and once the moment is over, we're going to have this moment again down the line because people yeah. forget. But I also I, I feel hopeful, and I don't feel like people are going to forget. I just don't think it's going to be an everyday conversation. And with change, it does take time. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people are willing to understand that there needs to be change to be had. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the beauty of it all. Yeah. Did you call me beautiful? No, not you, but oh. <laughs> um, we're like trying to talk about gay shit and I feel like we barely like skimmed anything gay. <laughs> mm. Well, I think the the fact that this, the the conversation of race doesn't surpass us just because we're gay. Yeah. Like I think oftentimes people would expect minorities to understand one another, but that's like not the case at all. And I think that was the point in us talking about uh I mean, we've been talking about race recently, but like in this episode in particular, I wanted to highlight the fact that we are gay men talking about it because it exists just as much within our community as it does the straight community Um, and the the transgender community. And what's funny or not funny, but well, I guess funny and comical because I feel like this is very corporate America, but Grindr as an app just recently got rid of their race preference. Mm. And I always thought that was crazy. If people don't know Grindr, um is a dating app as you probably know already but you can filter out the profiles you see by selecting a race preference so you can literally if you sign up for the app you you say what race you are and say if i say i'm black every time someone preferences a race that is black it'll come up or vice versa it'll take them all out and i mean i've been on tinder i've been on bumble obviously not as a heterosexual but as a dater and I don't feel like those apps necessarily had the same kind of filter. <laughs> Can I give my observation as to why I think that is? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've it's never your podcast. Well, oh, that's true. Um, <laughs> well, I've never been on the app, but from my perspective, Grinder is seen as a physic an app designated to the physicality of sex, mm-hmm. and not to dating somebody. And I think to explicit. To explicitly say, I will not date you, it is abhorrently racist to say that to somebody based on their race. But I think that we have somehow deemed sex as a preference, the way that we've been talking about it. And so there's somehow this like, or has been this grant of approval that we're allowed to say, well, like, oh, when it comes to sex, I just prefer but see, and that's I what I mean. I don't agree with that, but no, that's my observation. But that's why it's problematic, because I think that's where you need to uncover why racism mm-hmm. is systemic within that. Realm. Well, absolutely. You know I mean? If you can't sleep with somebody based on their race, how in the hell are you going to date somebody? Because Do you know what I mean? Like, that 100%. obviously extends way past a physical preference. 
but it's just ironic that they like take it off during this entire movement so they don't yeah. get canceled rather than grinder existing for years and always it being up okay you know mm-hmm. and it's like should companies like that get a pat on the back you know what i mean it's right. like look at us we're doing for the right enabling thing, but it in it's the like, first place exactly why did yeah. you enable it in the first place but i guess yeah. You don't know until you don't know, mm-hmm. but I feel like you should have known. <laughs> well, agree with that. Um, I will say at this point, we need to take like every step of progress that we can. And at this point, if any company tries to say like, well, we didn't know, <laughs> fuck you, you do at this point. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know at this point, you cancel culture cancel. yourself <laughs> but yeah. we hate we hate cancel culture we hate it it's accountability culture A- accountability culture accountability yeah. culture another episode it's like a throwback (laughs) um you mean because we're at a distance yeah yeah oh what's today today's oh saturday never mind why were you gonna say i was gonna say like throwback thursday or like flashback friday (laughs) it's not (laughs) you can say throwback saturday just put an s in the front (laughs) just with a list yeah throwback throwback saturday Okay, so in season for me this week, um, randomly, I feel like this is very summer, but it's kind of like my thing. (laughs) Um, Marshmallows. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but marshmallows have been on my mind. I've been putting marshmallow sweetener in my coffee, and it really is a bop. Oh, where'd you get that? Well, um, you could buy it anywhere, like that that brand that a lot of coffee shops use for sweeteners. Um, oh, oh, I know it's Tremel. Yeah, but um, Starbucks has the s'more um, frappuccino, right. which is actually a bop, but it's like so unhealthy. But that's not so what I'm trying healthy. to highlight. Um, but I would, if I go to Starbucks, I get a cold brew and just put two pumps of the marshmallow sweetener. So good. Um, but as you know, Brandon, our roommate has introduced Mm -hmm. us to marsh frozen marshmallows. Okay. Y'all get frozen Trader Joe's marshmallows. Get into it. Okay. Here's the thing. He bought frozen marsh or he bought marshmallows from Trader Joe's and then he froze them and he was pulling them out of the freezer. And I was like, what the fuck? Who freezes marshmallows? (laughs) He's like, have you ever had it? And I was like, no. And he's like, try it. He shut my ass up real quick, okay? <laughs> they have to be Trader Joe's marshmallows because for whatever reason, why. I don't know why yeah. either, the consistency just freezes better. And maybe because they're more natural. I don't even know what the fuck is in a marshmallow. But when you mm. freeze Trader Joe's marshmallows, it almost turns into like a taffy texture. And it's like a yeah. it's like a gummy. It's like t- a milk dud. Yeah, like a milk dud where it's like kind of hard to bite through. But then it like when it melts, it kind of like softens up. But yeah. I bought marshmallows the other day because we were making some sort of baked good and I had extra. So I was like, Oh, let me just put them in the freezer. And they were like the Jiffy brand. No, that just tasted like a cold marshmallow, but the Trader (laughs) Joe's brand of marshmallows put those bitches in the freezer. I'm telling you, like you're you're gonna hear this, you're gonna think nothing of it, but then you're gonna be walking through Trader Joe's and you're gonna see marshmallows on the aisle. If you go to Trader Joe's, just trust me. Grab a bag of marshmallows, it's and like two th- bucks, literally two bucks, and throw them in the freezer yeah. and then try one. Next level. But that's <laughs> <Love> it. That. <laughs> Great. Um, 
So you're talking about putting things in your body. I'm going to talk about taking things out of your body. So um, on this trip, well, technically whenever I travel, I I always have issues with like regularity once I travel. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I think it's just like the, the altitude changes, whatever. You're getting altitudes. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish I had altitudes. Little bubble guys. I'm getting like, <laughs> no, I'm getting like alta constipation is what I get. <laughs> um and normally I would use something like a smooth smooth move tea where it's like more like a laxative and I, I don't like the effects of that because I almost feel like it takes so much out of my body that then I'm irregular after that because my body's like, well, wait, we need to hold on to something. <laughs> so this trip I bought the protein uh, – protein. I wish protein came in pill form. I bought the um, fiber pills that you use uh-huh. and they have been like keeping me regular i told you and bitch. I, love it. I told you those I were a bob and you're like no it made me shit blah blah but i'm telling you guys get the fiber pills from costco take six mm. i mean you don't have to take six i take six people always think that's crazy i love it right after Do you take them at once literally right after i brush my teeth that night right before i jump into bed i swallow six pills when i wake up and have my morning coffee that shit is ready to go okay just be like cautious with that instruction because when i took six i went to the bathroom four times and every time was such a close call because my body was like it's coming out now (laughs) you have no warning but what i've been doing is i've been taking three in the morning and either two or three at night yeah well i mean and that that makes me feel a little more like um regular like it's natural as opposed to like this is coming out of your boat hold this instant if you don't get to the bathroom. Well, I mean, if you read the back of the box, it tells you to take two pills with, like, every meal just to add fiber to the meal. Oh. But, um, yeah, I just do six at once. Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> your body's built up immunity. Literally. But I, I want it to, when I'm sleeping, I want it to almost look like a stopper is just pushing down my intestines and pushing everything <laughs> out. Do you know what I mean? It's like a syringe. Yeah, like a reverse uh, colonic. It's just, like... <laughs> plunging out the opposite direction really pushing it down i love it well you guys um, yeah that's <laughs> i guess that wraps up this episode as always thank you guys so much for listening if you've enjoyed this episode or any previous episode on this podcast the best gift you can give us is to share like review rate subscribe subscribe um and then if you want to reach uh, reach us or follow us on instagram you could you can find us at fruit snacks pod and if you want to email us you can email us at fruitsnackspod at gmail.com and i guess that wraps it up for this week yay okay well catch you guys next week goodbye bye